three, two, one. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Creators Lounge podcast. I am your host, Ben J, and uh, it's time for another incredible episode. So I, I met this dude as a friend of a friend, and uh, we met, had a very short conversation, and immediately we were like, let's do a podcast together. We got to document this and talk more about this project that's coming up for him. <laughs> so my man, give us an introduction. Uh, what is your name? Where are you from and what do you do? Uh, my name's Austin Caldwell. I live in Bellingham, Washington. So like pretty much the most Northwestern corner you can get the continental US. And uh, I make music as Harbor Day. Uh, produce, write pretty much everything under the sun for the project. So <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> All right, man, well, let's set the, let's set the uh, background stage for the audience. What is your background in music? When did you start making music? What were like the early influences for you? And, and what's your musical journey like from the beginning stages? Yeah, I'd say it, it started out when I was much, much younger. Uh, there's there's a point where, you know, in elementary school and middle school, you have to start getting into electives and picking your own courses. And um, there's a chance for me to take like uh like pre-band which was like in fifth grade and you pick like trumpet clarinet uh a flute or trombone and um didn't want to do it initially my sister who was in uh in middle school band already she's like okay you've got to try at least one year of band and try it out um wanted to play trombone they ran out of trombones ended up playing trumpet and then that was like my first kind of formal music education outside of like the the recorder mess that everybody in the U.S. has to deal with. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but um, then when I was like 13, I'd say, mm -hmm. uh, last president of the Christmas tree, kind of out of the blue, was a guitar from my dad. And then that was a foray into um, playing music outside of a classical setting mm -hmm. so i got a lot of like formal classical training from learning trumpet and later on tuba in a in high school band and uh, i learned guitar pretty much completely by myself and that kind of that idea of like autodidactics and being able to teach yourself really whatever you want was this whole new monster for me but oh man i can i can do anything i want and uh that fed into producing later on uh really well because um you know if there's a sound that you're chasing like you do have the power to like go and uh, try and learn how to articulate it and that was like a really freeing thing for me um so yeah in regards to influences though um early on when i was just playing guitar i was super into uh like folk music specifically i was into uh uh, a little bit more like pop folky stuff, like folk rock, like of Monsters and Men, but also um, there was Fleet Foxes as well. And then there's this group called Villagers, who's like, it's like a one man group situation, which every time I hear about like an individual artist, like really chugging along on their mission and like, like really reinforcing ideas that they have and just like painting kind of like this world of sound. Um, it's super inspiring. It's this guy named uh, Connor O'Brien, uh, a lovely guy out of uh, Ireland, who, um, for one of the first projects that I heard about, kind of had a very, like, Boney Vare kind of hideaway situation where he was like, all right, for this record, I'm just going to go to this cabin 
um, by the sea, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and then record all of the instruments and uh, just lay down everything I can and make an emotional record. And um, I still listen to it to this day. It's called uh, Darling Arithmetic by Villagers and um, absolutely adore it. Very emotional songwriting, very like beautiful production choices there. And then um, from then on, it's just been like the inspiration of like friends and like whoever else I can find along the way. Wow, dude, that's incredible. There's some really cool points you brought up throughout that. But uh, I love you mentioned about like the getting away and like creating music by yourself um, stage that some artists go through. Like there's such a power in that, you know, like being alone away from all the distractions and influences and being able to get in touch with who you are as a person and just creating from that place of authenticity. You know, it makes something that's really powerful and and definitely long lasting. And then I also love what you said previously before about like learning to play guitar on your own and how that opened your mind to everything else you could learn by yourself um it's powerful it's really powerful because i think that more and more so people are becoming empowered to do what they want to do especially with the rise of technology and the internet like the you know in a lot of ways the only limit that we have is ourselves you know as long as we're willing to put in time and effort and you know consistency and persistence and and build the abilities we want to build uh there's so much there's so many possibilities for us if we're willing to put in the effort if we actually care about care about it okay so you kind of started off with playing physical instruments uh pre-band and and band days at school so when did production become part of the picture for you then production came along way later um when I was a freshman in college, uh, when I started going to good old Western Washington University, and um, I, I didn't have any proper doll or anything like that. I literally just used Audacity because I'd been hearing about a bunch of friends like, oh yeah, like I make music, um, you should try just like sitting down and recording stuff. And I had some like folk songs up my sleeve and then uh, recorded them into Audacity and I I very quickly realized the limitations of it and the the difficulties that come with like the the big hurdle that I dealt with was like there's no like tempo or like snap to grid situation so I was like how am I going to arrange things if it doesn't like kind of like lock in place and like and I, I remember spending one night like painstakingly like stitching parts together and trying to get everything figured out i was like no 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 no, no. we're gonna we're gonna have to like go a different route so the summer after freshman year i had a little had a little big boy pocket change for once um and i was like you know what i'm going to uh well but before that i i tried ableton's like free trial and I looked at it and I was like, wow, this looks like a flight computer. I don't know if I can maneuver this. <laughs> Un- uninstalled after two hours. Oh, I was like, I'm shit. done with this. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like, for, for a second, it was like not meant to be. I was like, oh, man. But um, then I watched videos by, uh, by Andrew Huang, who like is an amazing like producer. If, like, I don't know, just like an amazing teacher and everything in regards to like sound design, music production, all this, but watched his YouTube videos and I was like, okay, okay, I'm going to give it one more try. But this time I put a little money behind it. I bought myself like a USB mic and I bought, um, the intro version of Ableton, which at the time was like, uh, a hundred bucks. 
and I still use that version today. <laughs> um, so it's uh, Intro Ableton Live, was it Live Nine? And it doesn't let you use like the the max for live things, and it only <laughs> has sixteen tracks. So it's like like the virtual equivalent of like a just like an old like Casio cassette like mixer. Yeah. And um, yeah. And ever since I did that, it was just like a little bit of practice every day, where I was trying to um, find ways to get the production skill up to the point where I would be happy with like starting to record those folk songs into it. Mm -hmm. And then it ended up being this whole other thing, which like you sent me the you sent me the production notes for this. And it's right. really funny. You you brought up own self, which is a project that I completely forgot that I had oh, done. Oh what? Are you for real? <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Because like um for the longest time I kept um I kept the, the two worlds of like of folk music um and uh, what I was working on separate. Um okay. I was like I was trying to learn music production as an independent thing and <clears> it came it came easiest through the form of learning about like lo-fi hip-hop production because right. a bunch of people were like really getting into that scene and saying like oh how do i do flips mm. of uh of different tracks right. or like how do i make things sound like like have it this like lo-fi texture mm. which seemed really attainable for me because i was using really shitty gear and i was like <laughs> you know what like this this could be an aesthetic that could be like like I, I could fake it till I make it here. Yep. But then I really grew to love it as I was like researching it more. And that's what like own self like kind of focused itself into in this kind of electronic and lo-fi scene. Whereas like my my self-titled stuff, which like I have <laughs> I technically have like two self-titled like Austin Caldwell songs on Spotify and I like I hate looking at that Spotify page but I still don't know how to track down the original account to like yes. to nuke it so like it exists on the internet right now but um there's like like a folk song and then a song that's got like really weird production on it that was like really the seed of like um I guess like what Harbor Day has become today <laughs> that, that's the, that's that's the lens you have to look at it through is the fact that because you did that somehow it led to where you are now you know and exactly so even though it's kind of painful to look back at it and be like oh what was i doing <laughs> at the same time it's kind of like i'm glad i did it <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah oh my gosh because it could be so it could be a like a really cringy moment when you look back on like oh these are these are like the synths that i used or like these are the production choices but at the end of the day like you you're limited to what you observe and what you learn right mm -hmm. so at the time i was still i was still growing i was still essentially just babbling with right. music production right. so like i just needed to get to that point where i could articulate more also at the time it was like it was a really funny situation because i was that summer i was working two jobs and um my my parents were getting ready to move out to uh to michigan from washington in like october so like by like once i was gonna be back at school for a month like all the stuff in the house was gonna be gone so my room was like reduced down to my mattress on the floor um and some spare home depot boxes from work that i had 
at like as like a like a desk space so i have like a photo of me where like where like my my uh my headphone stand was literally just like a pen jabbed into the side of this cardboard box and i put my headphones on it was the funniest thing you do what you gotta do you do what you gotta do oh god dude cardboard tier producing like at its core (laughs) oh i fucking love that it's like a totally new way to recycle is like use corner boxes as a desk (laughs) oh yeah it was a it was great i still i still had a uh like a computer chair at the time which Mm. was which was nice that was the coziest piece of furniture in the room (laughs) yeah it's actually you mentioned that i'm strange i think back to my uh my years as early years uh i did actually at one point i did have a cardboard uh cardboard desk per se um (laughs) wasn't the same situation as you but yeah for some reason i had like a cardboard box and i I'd put my computer monitor on top of it and I would sit on the floor and use my computer that way. So <laughs> there you go. I mean, hey, it works. Start from somewhere. That's exactly yeah. what it is. And I actually want to ask you about that. I'm not sure if you will, if you will remember or not, um, <laughs> but it's really hard for producers to put out their first song. There's so much like um, I feel like a lot of a lot of producers I talk to who haven't put out their first song like this is that expectation of like it's got to be the best one ever it's got to be you know recognizable it's got to be it's got to go what big you know but obviously in the case like yours and mine like it was more about just putting something out there and then refining it as we went along do you remember yeah. by chance what it was that inspired you to put your first music on the internet was it just the fact that you had other friends who were producing was it some kind of idea of like i'm gonna be famous like do you remember what it was that kind of inspires you to put out your first music i think a big um inspiration was like definitely a lot of my other friends putting out music and wanting to be kind of on that stage of that community to meet more producers and it it was more for like not even to say resume's sake but for the sake of um having some sort of legitimacy behind the questions that i had because um i i feel like 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 going into college when i went into i I went to the field of linguistics and before i even got to college like i um had this idea that like oh before i can ask like like intelligent questions like I need to get as close to the answers I can possible mm-hmm. and then like resort to not necessarily as like last resort, but then like uh, have somebody else who knows like that step above me or those steps above me help me figure it out more. Like I, I, I emailed the head of the linguistics department like the summer before I even got to Western. And to this day, like Kristen Denham still thinks I'm the biggest nerd ever. But um, <laughs> I was that way with music production. So like I, I just like made a, b- a whole bunch of songs and I just kind of like splatted them on SoundCloud. And then I like went on to these Reddit pages and I was just like, hey, um, could could somebody just like critique my work and just tell me tell me what they think about these and um it was kind of a hard process because at first i was showing like like just individual songs which can give you can give folks like an image of your production style and like some of the hang-ups that you're experiencing Mm -hmm. but um what really helped is my friends uh my friends riley uh ice cream cream who's a friend of yeah he's a friend of andrews uh or Mm ippy and um alex my friend uh barnes boulevard who's who's pretty big in the lo-fi scene right now right and um he uh both of them like we we would sit down and they'd just be like oh yeah 
I see kind of what you're doing here. Like your, your tendency is to like, like mix drums pretty high. And like, you gotta be, you gotta be careful of that. And it's like, we really fine tune some of those things down. And like, um, what was really helpful is that like, they're both such encouraging people when it comes to music production and that like, it could be like, you could give them a turd and they could find a speck of gold. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like they, they could walk away from anything with like at least one like good lesson or good idea that you, you've like started or developed and, and say like, you could like work with this. And that was, that was a beautiful part about music production to me because at the end of the day, um, even if you sit down for like an hour long session and you record a bunch of stuff, and you're like, ah, oh, I don't know if I'm really vibing with this track. You're still left with a bunch of samples that you can rework later. Yeah. Like, yeah. like if you don't have the structure, you at least have the scraps. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So. I love that catchphrase right there. That's amazing. <laughs> if you don't have the structure, at least have the scraps. Oh, shit. <laughs> no, and it's so true because, and we've seen so many artists do it successfully. I'm thinking of two artists in my mind from the EDM scene. Um, oh, actually, I'm not sure. I thought... I, I thought Skrillex had done it before, recycling some of his older, his early stuff from like his punk rock days. And I know another music producer, Savant, has done it as well, where he made like early stuff and then later resampled it in his future music. So it's it's absolutely true. You know, no matter what you're doing, when yeah. it's art, you can always recycle it. You can always recreate it. it. Can always lead to the next thing, even if you don't know what the next thing is yet. You know, it's about that yeah. process of getting the reps and creating. And I also, by the way, I, I just I, I love I love the community that you have. <laughs> Riley and Andrew are, are fucking awesome. And it's so cool yeah. that you guys all had each other there to kind of be rounding each other out and shaping each other and helping each other like grow. Um, and, yeah. and what stands out to me as well about you guys is that each of you, even though you all create lo-fi music, you all have like a different background in music or a different um, different ambitions with music. And so whereas Riley mm -hmm. is kind of into ED, kind of like electronic stuff, Angie was more into like film scores and things of that nature. And then oh, yeah. you yeah. were like into like some folk stuff, like your background. So you all have like different backgrounds, but then you're also able to pull together and like and build each other. It's so <laughs> cool that can exist for you. Dude, yeah, thanks. It's like, it's really the thing that brought me back into it because funny enough, like I made like the loosest connection with those guys when I first met them. Like I, I met them while I was riding uh, on my like, my cruiser board around campus one day and I was like, other people were longboarding. Wow, I could I could kick it with them for a sec. Yeah. And uh, I, I got some numbers um, and I heard that they were into music production, stayed in loose contact over the summer in the next school year, didn't reconnect with Riley until my friend Alex like invited him over and I was like wait I remember you <laughs> and then like we just like we just kicked it like excuse me like in my um in and Alex's like room because he was a uh, he was my roommate at the time right and um oh my god it was like uh it was like seeing a childhood friend again because it was just this moment of like especially when you're creating yeah. and you're just like shooting the shit like like making up whatever ideas you'd like mm. it's it's very freeing it's very socially freeing especially if you like have any sort of like social anxiety or anything like that any sort of like barrier in daily life where you feel like you either can't fully be yourself or you feel at a lack of control like the open canvas of the creative space either whether it's a, an individual experience or a social sphere it's like it's like nothing else <laughs> 
a hundred a hundred percent dude it's absolutely <laughs> true and it's cool that you got to experience it in real life um obviously a lot of people i think experience that in a digital sense through platforms like discord or twitch streams um but yeah oh, yeah you know you're absolutely right having that kind of community and that connection with people musically is it's just a very freeing experience it's just an incredible experience okay so yeah. you're putting music out under you know own self when did it become apparent to you that it was time to kind of close that chapter and move into the new era of like harbor day ah uh, well i i felt like my production skills had gotten to a point where i felt more comfortable recording stuff mm -hmm. and um i had tried it a little bit with like self-titled stuff and like made like a completely folk track and then made like an uh an attempt at like mixing a bunch of genres which turned out like really weird but it was like a really fun experience it's this song called like astrally that i made that used like math rock chords mm -hmm. which like this is like this math rock was actually the seed of like the whole music theory behind harbor day because um beforehand my my knowledge of guitar was very like based on uh, like barred chords and like the, the various open chords that you learn like at the very beginning but um math rock chords are based a lot out of like like bossa nova theory but it's just articulated in a different way so like math rock led me to bossa nova which led me to different forms of jazz and those are still the chord shapes that i use today so as soon as i picked up on that type of like chord usage i was like okay I feel like I have a semblance of like a distinct sound. I want to see if we can work with this. I want to see like what we can do. And um, I think the clincher was <laughs> I made like a Twitter poll. I was like, um, I uh, there were some people I can't remember like like less than less than like fifty people at the time like that were following me i was like hey like i'm thinking about like mixing genres to i was like should i should i keep these genres separate or should i mix them together and then like i think it was like a vote up by like one person like uh out of like i, I don't know i don't know it was just like the, the tiniest tiebreaker possible mm. that led me to think like and, and and at the time it was like a poll that was really aff affirmational right? right like i really wanted to do it but it's like when you want to flip a coin on something you know which outcome you want mm. and You're when waiting i waiting for that, that final poll, push to get you there yeah when i when i put up that poll i was like you know what it's it's like really time and i was like okay i've got to come up with like a better like artist name kind of go for there and um harbor day kind of came out of it because especially living in bellingham which is a nice coastal city um i would spend a lot of time uh at the beach when i was kind of like feeling out of it or like when i just need to like clear my head and stuff and the original i guess mission or purpose of the harbor day project was creating music that people could kind of um unload their emotions onto in a way or like experience um emotions in almost like a meditative sense where like if i'm like telling a story or if i'm creating a soundscape which at the time like i wasn't totally settled on if it was going to be like like lyrical or if it was just going to be a fully instrumental project so i dabbled in both for a bit mm. but um 
with, with whatever the music was to be, I wanted people to feel like safe with it. I wanted people to feel like they could walk away uh, feeling like they've like untied whatever like knot they've been like working at emotionally. So yeah, and because you know, sitting by the sitting by the ocean is kind of that for me. So <laughs> I love that, dude. I love that. No, it's really cool. There's um, you have to have safe spaces like that, you know, to to self-reflect and uh, you know, like you said, unload your emotions and kind of figure yourself out. Um, yeah. And real quick, just kind of like it's kind of a sub point, but you also mentioned like that you still yeah. use the same version of Ableton. Has that become like a safe space for you as well? Like your DAWs become like a safe space as well, in that kind of sense. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's its own little. Uh, it's its own private piece of hell and heaven at the same time, of course. <laughs> yes. um, but it's, um, yeah, it's it's a place where I, I feel like I find more and more as I use it, mm-hmm. it's become more of a vulnerable area for me. And uh, <laughs> like my my partner, uh, Katie, has like pointed it out to me mm-hmm. uh, more and more as she, um, she kind of like listened back to my older stuff. She's like, like with with my newer music she's saying like you like sound more sure of yourself mm-hmm. like not like even when you're not singing like you sound more sure of like who you are with what you're doing and i think it's good to have like like a journaling space like that and i, and I feel like i try and use ableton as that i remember there was one day where um i, I was working like a really kind of a dead-end transcription job for a while where I had to drive like two hours there, two hours back every oh, single day. what? Fuck. Yeah. I was, I was really, I was really pushing myself because I was like, oh, it's the first like job in my field, like directly after college. Like mm. I can do this. But like, you know, I was like, I was too, too into that mindset of like trusting the I can do this over like, you know, looking at it objectively. Health. Exactly. Like, oh yeah. Four hours, <laughs> four hours, uh, travel time dude yeah that's fucking hell right there yeah but um there there's just like one day where i was just like it was just so much and i like um i i never had made like music that sounded like distinctly noisy or angry mm-hmm. and like i um i i really just treated this almost like uh like people with modular synthesizers treat a patch where i was just like i'm just going to make a series of effects and just like something that I will just toss away at the end of the hour. So I made like this really crazy distortion patch for vocals. And then um, I had a crazy like pedal chain and like all this stuff going on where everything was just super saturated. And all I did was I like put on headphones and then like I, I like texted my roommates. And I'm like, I'm going to be shouting for a bit. I was just like, I, I think I said like, I'm recording vocals. Don't worry. <laughs> but, but like what, what that translated to was like, I'm going to be shouting for a bit. But like, um, and I just like, I had never done this before, but I just like cried it out. I like, um, because, you know, journaling for me, like in, in written word has always felt like, like I've always had this barrier with writing where I overthink and I think like, oh, I need to, I need to impress my future self if I'm going to read this. And like, no, that's not the, that's not the purpose of it. The purpose of it is just like, just articulating your emotions yeah. in a different way. And, um, 
yeah just that one like hour session of just like tweaking like just the sound of like me through like how i could hear myself to to make it so that i could really just like push like how i don't know it, it was the most emotional sound design session i've ever had and i think that may have been like like an excellent lesson that mm-hmm. day realizing like the power of um something that can appear so like so plastic and mundane to uh, to the outside world where people see like music production like engineering and stuff like that as this art of like this art of reduction this art of subtracting things down to like a finely sculpted like thing but it's a playground (laughs) you can do whatever you want (laughs) that's powerful that's so powerful um (laughs) kind of in that as you're talking about this i thought of a quote by shannon lee who is the daughter of bruce lee um she said practice is the safe space of mistake making um, and I feel like, oh. yeah, I kind of feel like that ties in what you're talking about. You know, having a safe space to practice and express yourself was what led you to be able to discover who you were, you know, and to create your sound and craft your sound. And y- what you're talking about here, expressing emotions and, and kind of like um, getting your emotions out and figuring yourself out through your artistic uh, expression. So many people aspire to do that. And what I want to ask you specifically, because a lot of people, you know, are, are trying to do that. They're probably kind of questioning how to do it well for yourself, Austin. Do you think mm, I'm trying to think how I want to ask this? How soon was it before you felt you were able to be honest with your expression and to be able to do it authentically and honestly? Do you think that was um, just sheer practice alone or do you think it also went into like understanding music theory and understanding your DAW and understanding like musical techniques that helped you do it authentically yeah um wow this is this is a tough one because I think you know there's always been like some some bit of me in every single song that I've made and that's not to say that like every single song has been like extremely inspired or anything but like I was not one for like perfecting takes earlier on uh, which which you know came to came to my detriment when I was uh, when I think back to like my first album that I put out like um, and kind of my, well, kind of for the timeline of things, my, uh, my first like EP that I put out was like a half instrumental, half lyrical thing called Midnight Baseball, five songs. Um, um, it had a surprisingly emotional song, uh, called Let Me Know that came out of just reflections on a relationship. It was very vignette very like like sporadically anecdotal and um i think the main reason that it came across as emotional to me was because of how the vocal take was accidentally like good like i i didn't know much about like miking distance how to like process vocals afterwards and uh it i i was I just felt like comfortable like treating it like it was a diary for a moment and like looking back on it it's like kind of hard to listen to because of 
the higher production knowledge and also like that was like that was kind of like a tough sub- subject for me to uh talk about because mm. it, it's just very nuanced right um but as time went on there's it, it, it kind of muddied up where there's sometimes where i was focusing way too much on the production and i was like oh i still need to do the vocals and the the vocals were always and have always been like my biggest fear even though um like when i was in school i actually was in the the vocal ensemble for a couple of years where like before school would start i would like get up for this uh this choir class mm-hmm. and uh I wasn't trained for like an upfront part or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first day of choir class, I uh, I had a cold, so I was trained as a bass too. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, wow. Like, when when I should have been trained probably as like a baritone, but there's also just like a need for basses, so they're just like, all right, we're gonna train you down. And um, especially as my voice sits like naturally at the end of the day, like this does not sound like a bass two voice. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, so I never learned like uh, the parts that were really upfront and uh, not without support of other voices. So what happened was I quite literally had to find my like leading voice in regards to like pitch control. What tone did I feel comfortable with? And then um, I've always I've always felt a lot of power in like writing and. Um, had a lot of good experiences with making lyrics that I'm like really proud of to this day. But um, the biggest struggle has always been the articulation, you know, creating an emotional experience that like not only uh, is at its core, like good emotional musicianship mm-hmm. with like vocal take and whatever the bass instrument is Mm -hmm. but marrying that with production that feels complementary and um you're asking like when i uh when i really felt like i or if i have Mm. really felt in in tune with that i feel like this next release is like the closest i've ever gotten and i think i only plan on like trying my hardest to someday get that one song that feels like I'm truly, truly articulating everything that I want to say. So, and that's the, that's the goal <laughs> down the road. Awesome, dude. So. Super, super cool. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's, it's a journey, right? And so wherever you are, how's that phrase go? <clears throat> is that, is that classic adage of today is the oldest you've ever been, the youngest you're, you'll ever be. Um, and it's kind of the same way with music production, right? Like at this yeah. stage right now, you're the best you've ever been at music, but you're also not as good as you could be yet. You know, there's always room for development and Very growth, true. you know? And so <laughs> the human experience is definitely mirrored in the musical experience of, as well of crafting who you are, AKA crafting your sound, discovering who you are, AKA discovering your sound, you know, the emotions we go through, the processes that we use, and it's just, it's always changing. And that's the exciting thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and additionally, I also love what you mentioned about discovering your voice, because that also goes back to the fact that 
if you're willing to put in the time and, and, and mindfulness into it, you can actually create every aspect of the worlds we live in. So in the early days, it was more about crafting your sound in the DAW. And then like, even with your voice, it was about crafting your voice to make it how you wanted to sound, you know, by um, yeah. practice and exploration and guidance and everything. And I think that's a, it's, it's a, on a bigger scale. I think that's something that I wish the audience in, would take away from it. Cause that's something I've done for myself as well is recognizing that in any kind of field you're working on, whether it's artistic or a real life situation, you know, if you really do put the time into explore something, you can figure out how to manipulate it, you know, to walk it to your favor and, and kind of create the way you want to live your life, you know, whether it's a job or relationship or a characteristic or a mindset. Yeah, life is very, uh, very malleable. We can create it if we're willing to put the time into it. And by the way, congratulations to you, Austin. I'm being putting in another woke, you know, to get to where you are today and everything. Thank you. Yeah, I, I really, I really appreciate that because uh, especially, especially in the year that I've had uh, where I mean, like I've had a lot of growth in this past year, but it's felt very detached because it's uh, like so much of the interaction that I've gotten is like digital and like so much is um, like, you know, it doesn't it doesn't feel as tangible. I, I love like every single person that I've met in this past year and how they've like contributed to not only my uh, my experience as an artist, but like to my experience as just like a human being trying to like make it through because like you, you never know what kind of connections you never know what kind of connections you're gonna make on the internet <laughs> yeah, right you never do <laughs> yeah so it's it's a it's a beautiful thing that i think uh, is taken for granted quite a bit but um yeah i i feel like for the first time this past year is uh first time i've felt like i'm at home with folks on the internet so but it, it still has felt it's still interesting yeah you know a little uh, bit of dissonance there yeah oh yeah like um my uh my my family uh my, my uncle uh comes from this background of like good old-fashioned american like classical rock band okay. uh and uh he's he's in this mentality of like oh these are the kind of like decisions that you make when you are like a band this is what like a full unit looks like and uh, i'm like well i'm a one-man outfit and most of my audience <laughs> is like like across the world like what do i what do i do there how does and it translate kind of like yeah and he's just um you know and he's he's struggling to to help because that's just like a like a, a variation that he's not familiar with mm -hmm. you know and like even though i've done some like and i am I'm doing some work with a band right now um, with some of my friends, uh, and that's like a like a whole different world for me than uh, doing stuff just as as Harbor Day. Mm. It's uh, it's really wild to have that kind of uh, I don't know wearing different hats <laughs> yeah. musically. Yeah. So that's incredible. Yeah, super super cool. <laughs> Okay, so <clears throat> you, you know, used to do own self, you know, you were kind of like discovering your sound, you transitioned over to Harbor Day. By the way, you mentioned the song Let Me Know, and that was on the Midnight Baseball EP. 
um, which is kind of a, a segue, if I'm not mistaken, between Own Self and Harbor Day, because actually on the exactly. Midnight Baseball EP, you included the song Five More Minutes, which you had released as Own Self previously and then transitioned over to Harbor Day at the same time, uh, if I have my history yeah. correct. Uh, oh, yeah, that's that's perfect. Yeah, yeah you're, perfect. you're pulling a Nardwar here. <laughs> like, I feel like it was really fun. You messaged me this stuff earlier today. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, oh, my God, he, he knows too much. <laughs> I appreciate the fact that you put all this stuff out there dude because um <laughs> it's an honor for me to get to have these kind of conversations with people and so i feel like it's only Thanks. my responsibility and it's also my interest which is why i do it to, but to to put time and care into a conversation with someone to understand who they are and what's brought them to where they are and try to figure out what can i pull from this conversation that's going to help the audience that's going to help me that's going to give them a chance to express themselves so it was a, it's yeah. a pleasure to do research and to figure out more about the artist's journey especially yours man you've done so fucking much it was just incredible to and one of the hard things by the way for your episode was trying to choose what narrative i wanted to pull out of it because you've done so many things there was different avenues i could explore and i was like man they're all so interesting which one am i going to go with <laughs> it's, it's you know it's kind of like storytelling but um yeah. but uh, yeah getting into the harbor day project um how do you feel about where you've where you've come to it with it now? You know, three uh, some three years later since like the own self project, um, and being in so deep in Harbor Day now, are you pretty confident with where where everything's at? Are you happy with the growth you've seen? I'm, I'm really happy with where I'm at nowadays. It's like, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm at like a weird like, like backpacking moment where like if you're on like a hike or some trip and you're like about to like reach like the top of the trail you kind of had that sigh of relief because like right now i'm uh i'm finishing up this huge album that i've had in the works mm -hmm. like technically for the past two years and um i it it, it feels good it's I, I feel like right now is kind of the realization of all of the time that i've put in and it's like i i never took any classes for it and it, it's it's something that I could just like really proudly say, like, this is a product of my own, like my own work and my own mind. And as much as like, I would like, I have like teachers and friends and, uh, and family members that I can say like, thank you to for like giving me like bits of knowledge along the way. It's like, um, it's just like the way that they have allowed me to experience things and vice versa. It's just like, there's like a whole lot of memories that are kind of flooding back to me, especially uh, especially today uh, and tomorrow when I'm when I'm like wrapping things up for this giant project. So it's uh, it's kind of an emotional time. Um, so I to to be more succinct, I, I would definitely say that I'm really proud of where I'm at now because I uh, I don't know I I thought about when I was like ten when I was like, oh man, like, yeah, you know, when we all joke around about like, like little jobs that we all want to do when, yeah. we're, when we're older, I, I feel like I flipped between so many. When I was a kid, I was like, oh, I want to be like an astronaut. Everybody wants to be an astronaut. <laughs> I want to be like, I want to be like, a, like a Lego set designer at one point. And I was yeah. just like, that's real specific. And then at one point, like, like a passing thing was like, oh, I want to be like, like a musician. That'll never happen. And, and look now at you I'm now. Here. Look at you now. <laughs> so so I, I never thought it'd be like this possible. So yeah. 
good for you man it's good crazy. for you being on the journey yeah. and just kind of creating yourself along the way it's beautiful um <laughs> and, and i love what you said about you know being at that kind of introspective moment of looking back at what's brought you to where you are um i it's not it's not as deep as yours but we've kind of had like a change of the seasons here in korea where we're going from spring to summer and here in korea there's a very oh, yeah. dis, there's a very distinct uh change in the weather between those two seasons it's not it's not even anything like like specific but like like i mm -hmm. i walked outside the other night and i was like oh it's warm and then like a different like smell yeah. in the air and i was like it's summertime in Korea again. And that took me back. And that was like listening to a certain song. And it took me back in time to like previous summers I've been here. And it was like I was thinking through all the people I've met in the past year, the 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 good people, the people that hurt me, uh, you know, the just the different experiences. And it was a moment of like gratitude, though, because I was so grateful yeah. that I had had those experiences and that they'd shaped me and brought me to where I was, where I am now in, in a good sense. I think we're really lucky as creatives, you and me both, to have a way to accept express those experiences and to deal with them and to kind of um i've got the word for it but you know just kind of take it a part of who you are as a person you know even though it's painful at the moment to either hurt somebody or have someone hurt you or to lose someone or you know someone pushes you away whatever the situation is all of those oh, yeah. moments you know they shape us into who we are and we're able to put it out through a song or you know a piece of content on the internet and it's really powerful and and beneficial not only for us to deal with it but then also for the audience who gets to consume it and relate with it as well it's so i'm, I'm really glad that exactly. you've been on that journey for yourself and it's brought you to where you are right now ursa major dude let's talk about ursa major which is the name of the yeah. the, the project you're referencing right now it's really cool <laughs> it's incredible this conversation is happening because not only did i get to meet you at the conclusion of the project right now as we're recording this you're obviously putting the final touches on the album so this is this is a super yeah. cool moment dude for the audience yeah. who might not be familiar with it can you explain like what ursa major is and how it plays into the bigger picture of your releases yeah yeah so ursa major was this kind of uh long-term concept project that i had where i wanted to release seven related really or i guess yeah seven related releases of music to represent like the seven stars in the ursa major constellation that would accumulate into this like one big like album at the end that um originally in my mind was seeded as this idea of just production practice and like the idea of familiarizing myself with like pushing things out and learning that process but um more more deeply became this like this narrative of essentially especially with how like covid coincided with the one primary year of focus for production um kind of just the emotional depth of like a single year for me and kind of everything that went on um so the what what I did was um it's 20 I still don't know 26 off the top of my or... head so it's 20 26 mm -hmm. or 27 I miscounted the other day okay, gotcha. so like um but yeah um but there's uh 18 of the songs mm -hmm. from the album like mm -hmm. already out now that were released in three song packages about like month and a half two months apart um all like throughout uh 2020 mm. and the the original idea was that 
and still kind of holds true that each uh, each of the stars kind of has their own like like production characteristics and own like little story that helps to develop this broader narrative and um, the the storyline of the album is is kind of miraculously loose in that it's from the perspective of a kid uh, finding uh, their father's cassette uh, like in a basement and um, kind of like just suddenly tuning in at a very like young age and understanding this world of just like how their like father grew up and like all of the various hardships that they experienced in their life and uh, just kind of just the depth of a person through all of these different lenses of like the the brighter more jovial moments that are going to appear at the beginning of the album to the to the darker more introspective like why am i here how long will i be here kind of narrative and um yeah yeah and i've had that idea for a while because i've i feel like throughout my life i've been very conscious of the fact that like like i am part of kind of like this nurturing line and that i've always wanted to have kids or adopt kids at some point and i always think of how not only how i want to be for myself but for how i want to be for like my kids someday mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um because i understand that there's very little that you can do like consciously that like you can like quote unquote like push onto a kid to say like i i would like to introduce like this subject to you and like i want you to like it but at the end <laughs> of the day it's a kid's decision but like excuse me whatever like moral or whatever the things that they may learn are important from like periphery of existence Mm -hmm. like if they find that i make music someday and then they hear the kind of music that i made and um they get to take something away from it or they get to know that like i cared about them before they're even born or something like that like i just i just want that so badly for uh yeah i'm getting <laughs> it's getting emotional man this is this, yeah, this is fucking deep yeah yeah i just um yeah yeah and and this stems from like i i had i had a really good childhood yeah i um and like everybody has like a different interpretation of like what what goes on um from their own perspective um but even though i come from a home where like my parents were like divorced and um parents had to spend like a lot of time at like work to try and like really care for us right and like make sure we had everything possible like even though in like the early like jaded mind of mine i was like this is like time away from nurturing and all this stuff and i'm like why why is there not this like true unification that i see in like other families but it's just what what was being done was just provided and in in this world sometimes like 
like the only thing you can be capable of, especially within like, and I don't want to go into too deep of a conversation about like, like economic systems, but within a capitalistic system, like sadly, all you can do sometimes is provide. And I'd rather put and ensure that I have the emotional work put in now so that I can have something of mine that shows like nurturing worth now like just in case things get like oh so difficult later on mm. that i won't be able to do it myself and i swear i i won't let it get to that point like i i i don't know i'll take paternal leave screw it yeah <laughs> like, right straight up <laughs> no I, get, like, I totally get what you're yeah. saying man and it kind of hit me yesterday it's funny i was um uh, i teach english here in seoul south korea and i was talking with my kids about mm. um about their dads for some reason. And so I asked them, I was like, what do you, the question, I don't remember it specifically, but it was basically like, you know, what do you think about your dad or something? And the answer was like, he's always working. And I was like, it was kind of a moment of like, it was like, it was like, damn. I was like, how fucked up is it that as society, we've made it normalized that you don't see your dad or your mom because they're supposed to be at work, you know? eight, nine, ten yeah. hours a day. And like how normalized yeah. it, and like, it's crazy, dude. Like your kids like associate you with being at work like you don't even get to be there for like they're they're growing up you know and and even for myself like you said like growing up in the states like uh even though same as you i had a great childhood like i was like i was like that's actually true for me like my dad was often working a lot you know whenever i was young i didn't really understand i didn't really have that comprehension of like you know economic systems that were like why um and i didn't i didn't it wasn't against my dad but like you know he was working a lot and even if i look at myself now like i don't have kids obviously but like i'm working a lot it's like it's like it's insane you know you've really got to um i love what you're doing obviously with music and putting that out there and kind of like writing a, a an open journal or documentation for yourself that can you know play out later in the future you've got to you've got to you've got to focus on what you can control you know because there's stuff that is outside yeah. of our control whether it's needing to have a job or needing to have money or whatever it is at those moments if you focus on that too much it becomes very depressive you've really got to focus on what you can control what you can do and how you are spending your you know your free time your free hours to make it uh to make your life what it is so i totally relate with that dude. yeah 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 it's yeah, going going back to what you were saying about just like so many people can relate to that narrative with their parents just like i uh i, I will say that like just from that thought i guess this uh this album is innately to a degree anti-capitalist because no no individual child should have to have like class consciousness to understand why their dad isn't home mm. right right like right. it's it's kind of a, a screwed up uh set of rules that we have to deal with you know but like you're saying like the the best thing that we can do day by day is is be conscious of that mm -hmm. but also understand how we can like work within systems right and then you know inform how things can change do better idealistically right mm -hmm. because the every every change in human history every discovery started out with somebody dreaming yep. you know yeah yeah
So <laughs> no, absolutely, dude. And that kind of goes into what we've been talking about a lot today about, you know, looking at the final details of what we can control, what we can manipulate to make the bigger difference in the bigger picture. And so and obviously, yeah. you know, when you're working with a society or a cultural thing, like that's going to take, you know, decades, unfortunately, but there is small things we can do yeah. now to get the wheels turning and everything. Um, it's kind of funny that we touched on this now because I'm actually doing another podcast tomorrow with a, a friend of mine and we're going to probably going to touch on some of these political issues as well because they are they are very Dang. kind of an activist. They wanted to bring it up a little bit. Um, so oh, yeah, it's on everyone's <laughs> minds. It's on everyone's minds right now. And especially I think it's For related sure. back to COVID um, and kind of in a positive sense, though, I think, because like with COVID, you know, you mentioned previously about getting comfortable with online friendships and relationships on the Internet. Like that's also been a benefit of well as well of people like walking from home and walking you know through through online uh platforms and so that's one of the one of the i guess the silver linings of covid you know is the fact that we were able to see there's different ways to exist and you don't have to be in an office oh, yeah. you know from nine to five there's other other op options for us so yeah exactly exactly it, it, it leads to better quality of life and much more um emotional like work management you know whether from the self or from others because mm -hmm. like especially when you're when you're working autonomously and you don't really have somebody directly like looking over your shoulder mm. to say like you need to get this stuff done on time it's it's hard to develop your own sense of like motivation for getting stuff done true and it's it, it's a hassle but mm -hmm. everybody has the capability of doing it because i i've always had this mentality of like um like like everything that humans have done were meant for humans to be able to do so like if if it wasn't possible um which of course there there are limitations at times but like if it, if it completely wasn't possible then nobody would have done it right. and that means that just nobody's pushed the boundaries on it yet right yep, exactly. so <laughs> yeah you've got to be you've got to be willing to question and you know and kind of explore stuff the same way as that's why we have the fucking airplane you know it's the, yeah <laughs> some people question like hey why can't we not fly wait birds can fly you know like and start questioning yeah. stuff and figuring it out so and sometimes exactly. and sometimes it also goes into walking with with boundaries um I thought it was mm -hmm. I thought it was cool that you mentioned about only having like 16 tracks in your Ableton um, because even though that yeah. can be a limitation it also forces you to be more creative and so um, I have a I have another friend and she's a, a, a more of an electronic producer but she talks about that a lot she's making uh, very heavy like dubstep tear out that kind of stuff um, so heavy EDM mm -hmm. genres but her concept for for sound design is to start with a very simple sine wave and then manipulate it with you know modulations and filters and things and so she's always saying go back to basics build a box and break the box build a box and break the box you know that's that's such a cool ideology to work with because yeah and you you can always see kind of the family tree of where your ideas come from if you start from the same origin point like mm -hmm. like the like this just gets deep into producer talk the amount of shit you could do with the amount of shit you can do with just a sine wave is like unimaginable like i mean like sine, sine wave is the building block of like every other single waveform just due to like addition and like uh, because of linguistics i had to do a lot of work in psychoacoustics and understanding like how just the physics of sound works wow. and 
miraculous, dude. It's, it's, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's intense, but it's definitely beneficial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's some there's some beautiful creations out there that start from something very, very seemingly rudimentary. And like, I think it's it's all about being willing to like break those boundaries. So like, and, and what was what was your friend's name again? What was her name? Uh, her name's Akuma. Uh, her name's Akuma. Akuma. Yeah. Okay. She's cool. uh, she's based in Los Angeles and. Um, yeah, she's done really well for herself. She's been able to to get signed to some, put releases out on some of the major labels and EDM and uh, and do some really incredible Congrats. stuff for herself. So, yeah, really that's amazing. It is. It's I'm really <laughs> proud of what she's done and what she's become. But um, but I, I always love to talk about that concept of like starting with basics and then breaking it because it's it's super, it's uh it's cool and it's it's attainable. You know, if you can set, like she says, if you build a box, if you don't know where the limits are, build a box, break the box, and then you can kind of keep growing through that process of, you know, rediscovering yourself, recreating yourself. Um, yeah, yeah. Jumping back to Ursa Major, you know, you did, you mm -hmm. kind of, you had the idea about doing like the seven releases. How much, how much thought did you put into the overall project? Did you really plan it out at first? Or was it something more of like you discovered it along the way of what you were doing with it, what you were saying with it? I feel like the narrative definitely unfolded more along the way mm -hmm. because I did have a catalog of songs going into even putting in the first uh, EP out there. Mm -hmm. Funny enough, um, it was a project that was supposed to be much smaller and happen like the summer prior to 2020. Excuse me. And um, oh man, it was... It was wild because originally I was like, okay, I'm going to put out this whole album. I'm going to like try and do this like over the summer. And I realized that I was like, I, I don't have the, um, for whatever reason, I'm like at a very harsh lack of motivation because of like the, like it was one of my first summers where I was like in town and like everybody was gone pretty mm -hmm. much. So I felt like I was like tragically by myself in a lot of ways, but I found that um, I couldn't, produce lyrical stuff so that ended up being the summer that i made ursa minor which was uh kind of my my farewell to uh making instrumental tracks because i wanted to give myself like a harsh point where i was like okay um i need to focus on making stuff with lyrics and like pursuing narrative mm. and that was it sign seal delivered seven songs done uh try to collaborate on as many of them as I could so I could say that I made something with like a bunch of my friends uh like Andrew's on the first yep. track if he's on there I party yep you did a song with Barnes Boulevard I'm not sure if it was on that one or not but um but yeah just, yeah I, there's a couple tracks on there um yeah Cassini yeah that's uh I, I think that's my number two on Spotify right now okay. I think like some some lo-fi page picked it up which is kind of cool <laughs> it's cool but um it's interesting to uh interesting to try and uh maneuver stuff like that when I'm like trying to rebrand primarily as like bedroom pop. Right. Um, but the moving forward from there, making Ursa Major was this kind of ambitious process of like thinking, oh, how big can I make this? And in my brain, I was like, okay, 10 songs is my limit. Okay, 14 is my limit. 14 seems like a good number. And then it went to like 21 and I was like, okay, wait a second. It's getting bigger and bigger. Yep. And, um, because originally 21 was like such a solid number for me because it was going to be like, all right, just like 
seven releases, three songs each. That's perfect amount. But I realized that I wanted to give it more, more narrative, more depth. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I need an intro and outro. I want some other songs to kind of round out the emotions of this. And then we settled on like a massive number of. Um, I still don't know as I'm like sifting through all the tracks and every single time I say it, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's 27. <laughs> I, I, will, I will be for sure tomorrow as I'm putting it in DistroKid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, man, yeah. So, and the, uh, the lyricism really was like, I guess, ad hoc throughout this past year where I've just been producing constantly. Like there's never been a break since um like i started actively writing and producing ursa major in late november early december of 2019 and um writing and production ended five hours ago six hours ago something like that so thank you thank you Uh, i just gotta do some like final mastering things um making sure that i don't like yeah making sure that i don't like bash my brain over too many small (laughs) details yeah and then um yeah sending it off to stores but yeah it's (laughs) i I keep i've kept saying over the past like week or so like my go-to phrase is just like it's crazy (laughs) that's all you can say sometimes that's all you can say (laughs) yeah yeah because like every every time i say it out loud it's like i like i feel like i sound like I'm going absolutely buck wild. Like <laughs> I, I tell friends, like, oh yeah, I'm putting out a 26 song up. 26. What the fuck have I done? How, many, <laughs> what, like, how much am I putting into one project? And the biggest thing, the biggest imposter syndrome thing that's mm. like smacked me over this past year mm. is the fact that uh, like singles uh, have really been the things that like take off in the world right. of like music marketing. Right. So. Right. I am for the next while going to make it my mission to to treat each song marketing wise as if it were a single okay. and then i'm going to have kind of this this fuel to figure out how uh how we can make it all a work in regards to to showing it to people mm-hmm. and that's uh that's what i keep telling myself at least <laughs> you know uh, yeah. we're gonna hope for the best <laughs> but um at the end of the day marketing aside because like i'm awful at marketing i i just think that like i'm i'm just proudest that like nobody told me to do this right <laughs> right so but i did and here we are <laughs> straight up dude no and I, that's kind of what i was one what i wanted to get your opinion on um i think that yeah i've been talking about this a lot lately on social with different artists is that I believe storytelling is becoming more and more appreciated again. I feel it's kind of underappreciated at this stage right now. Um, and obviously there's different fields. So I'm, I primarily live in like the EDM circle with a lot of my friends or EDM producers. Um, so there's, there's, there can be a lack of storytelling when it comes to, you know, EDM uh, songs. Um, but I feel like in general, I feel like uh, in general that the world's kind of moving more and more towards uh, storytelling. Um, 
I'll give an example. I, I don't know how much research you've done into it, but like NFTs is a good example. Um, and so mm -hmm. with NFTs, you know, you could just mint a piece of artwork and then put it out there. But actually what's actually getting more traction and more recognition these days is the fact that people are telling stories with NFTs or doing something more with NFTs. And so there's artists yeah. who I've seen online who are like making a frame from one part of a bigger world that they created. So they built an entire world and they're making an NFT based on one section of that world. And so basically, mm. in theory, you could like, you know, make uh, separate NFTs for the entire world and then people could collect different parts of that world. Right. And so like that's yeah. storytelling and there's different storytelling and it, storytelling goes into many different fields, whether it's a performance with visuals or the way that you arrange your set list or, you know, even down to the basics of like writing a song that's telling a story. But what I think is cool about you is that obviously, you know, especially with your background in folk music, um, is that you've always been very focused on storytelling and expressing emotions and telling stories with your music. So I'm curious about your thoughts on storytelling and marketing. Um, how has that been for you in terms of crafting projects and then thinking about delivering them to audiences in, a, in the marketing sense? How have you kind of uh, con conceptualized that for yourself? Yeah, I've uh, I've been trying to figure out more ways to do it on a more emotional level because the biggest thing that's scared me about marketing is just how it how it dances within kind of the the colder side of articulation of art in that like you're you're trying to create the hook that draws people in and um, sometimes it's it's made with really uh, like psychologically like gripping methods and stuff like that i i, I was involved in uh, the idea of like game theory a lot because originally i wanted to be like a concept artist work on video games mm. but a lot of what games focus on for retention is uh, like call of duty for example it's like a lottery effect of just like spamming you with like this this feedback and um I've always been scared of creating unethical marketing um, that grabs a listener for for no reason other than uh, they've been gripped. But I think I want to like you're you're bringing up storytelling and um, my my attempts in the past partially because like I've been so focused on production, but I've also just like been in school and like i haven't been like focused in time specifically on marketing mm. um the, the biggest things that have worked thus far is using tiktok and like using it in like a semi-casual sense uh where i would follow trends kind of do whatever but i would like i would just kind of let people in like i would go on live a whole bunch like especially when i was like like and i don't advise doing this but like when i was running that when i was running that dead-end job like when i was on my car rides to and from work yeah i would just like set my phone on the dash right. and then i would just kind of like i would talk yep i would just like talk like listen to music jam or i would just like i would just like let whatever out yep. and then i think what that did was allowed people to understand more of me as like a human outside of the realms of like i am creating mm -hmm. like music as opposed to like all the other people on tiktok are like like if you listen to my song a billion times you, you can keep <laughs> me from getting uh, a minimum wage job it's like no that's not what it should <laughs> ever be about yeah <laughs> yeah yeah like you're you're not like 
because at that point you're just making like like a farm of people mm. right you 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 need you need to make connections that are as emotionally gripping as the connections that you want to make in real life if you want to make something work mm. so i think you're giving me some really good ideas with just storytelling especially because like ursa major is all about something that is very um i don't know it, it just like you know kid goes down to a basement discovers like rifles just discovers something of their fathers right. i think like it would be really cool to do almost like a almost like a fireside talk or almost like something that is just very classical just like yeah have the song in the background explain what the song is about a yeah. little bit yeah and then just kind of like let people experience it as they come and go but yeah. i just i just you're giving me a good idea of how to make something really like just inviting uh, at the end of the day i want like my marketing to be as reflective of who i truly am as a person as possible not who i am as like an artist because the idea of like having an artist's image mm -hmm. for me feels a bit too like far apart from i don't know because I feel like the idea of like the artist image pulls into the idea of like the industry in a lot of um, more traditional ways where uh, a label comes in and like works with a band on making them as marketable as possible. Mm. And in a lot of ways, it was like this, this rock star mentality yeah. or like um, this like untouchable creativity that you see in and some artists where it's like oh they they create like art pop they're like so they're so far out there with their ideas or like oh they're this they're this genius and their name just happens to be jacob collier and they do all this stuff <laughs> shout out jacob right? collier <laughs> shout out jacob Co honestly like big big inspiration i'll never be as good as jacob collier but i could i could hope to just like i i want what he's having because like geez but um yeah, I think for me, I just I just want to meet people. Like, whenever whenever people like hear about me through like weird happenstances, like if somebody like a friend of a friend like talks about me and just like hears about something that I've like done, mm -hmm. like my first thing is like I I want to like tell them my name and I want to say hi and I want to like get to know them and see how they are because as much as like people can hear of me mm -hmm. through like anything they like read or just like hear down the line i think it's just a matter of human connection because that's what fuels art and experience yeah. on this planet so absolutely i love that well it's it's <laughs> funny um because and i've kind of seen this happens two ways again going back to storytelling for a musician and I'm sure there's other ways to go about it, but I've definitely seen these two ones as like the major ones people often fall into. I do feel like being a musician is very much about storytelling, whether you are aware of it or not. And so the two ways to tell stories that happen most commonly is that either you tell a personal story, like in your case, you are the artist, you're telling your own personal stories, your own personal inspirations, which is storytelling, just uh, realistic storytelling. Or there's other people who go more of the creating a narrative storytelling. 
So people like maybe, I guess Daft Punk could be one example of that, where they kind of created like mm. their own, you know, storytelling through the characters and situation they yeah. place themselves in. Uh, and there's a lot more than just them. Even I'm going to throw back to my uh, the person I referenced already, Akuma. Akuma is also getting more into that as she's building more of a team that's helping her create, um, you know, certain imagery around the character and and stories she wants to tell with the character. So you can either, you know, do the, the authentic, the organic, not authentic because it's authentic both ways, but organic of like, this is my story I'm telling it or here's the story i want to tell and i'm the one telling it you know through another character yeah. you know so i love that what you're doing because that's that's the same thing i've done as well as like tell my own story rather than creating characters because if you're going to create characters it takes a lot of uh, uh you need to have like you know graphic knowledge and and uh and graphic design abilities and that kind of stuff so it's definitely easier to do it just like the here's my story i'm telling it and you've also i've also by the way though austin like i just i gotta give you props because i feel like i'm not sure if you're aware of it or not but like you already have been telling stories you know like you said with tiktok lives and and with the music <laughs> and everything and that was one of the things that stood out to me about you was the fact that you um were telling stories with everything you did and i, I loved it because um I think that a lot more people are going to be doing it, but I'm not sure if they know how to navigate those waters of like how to prioritize stuff and how to put stuff together and how to decide on final details and everything. Um, yeah. <laughs> which I actually, we should jump into that. Like you have done so much, man. You know, you've, you're, you've done music, you've done albums, you work on the album, you've done EPs, you were a radio DJ for for a bit of time, you know, you mentioned yeah. some of the full-time jobs, you part-time jobs, uh, university, you know, even you'd be doing a, a performance tomorrow, you've done live sets, like, it's fucking insane, dude, it's very, very hectic. Do you have yeah. any time management tips? Like, how have you managed all of that as far as time and emotions and health and, and everything? Yeah, yeah, it's been a, it's been a, a struggle of course and uh oh yeah j just so you know the the performance isn't until uh like june 12th okay very good june 12th so yeah but um yeah i think time management tips you know it all it all boils down to to what works best for the individual mm. i have always been a big fan of starting by like plotting out everything that you've got going on mm -hmm. everything that like maybe itching your head of like i i know i've got this meeting that i've got to go to like later on or mm -hmm. i've got to get this uh production done for a client by the end of the month um boil it down to its basic points as like a checklist of like here's everything that i know that i need to get done not necessarily within any certain time range just like let whatever panic you may have articulate itself into just getting stuff out onto a page. As soon as you can see it as like a list, for me at least, it really helps me compartmentalize where I say like, hey, okay, well, I may have all this stuff going on, but only this is the amount that I need to get done this month. And this is the amount that I, I primarily have the power in like working on and um i think a lot of it is organizing it uh into what you can do day by day and what are good confidence boosting tasks confidence boosting tasks are super important to me and for me those are the simple things that you know you can get done in 15 minutes or less right whether that's something that you actually have scheduled or something that you fabricate 
to to get you kickstarted on something. So if if I'm having like a pretty dry like mental day and like I'm not really feeling it production wise, but like I've gotta I've gotta finish um, like doing some production for a client or something like that, I'll be okay. Okay, I'm just gonna sit down with Ableton for like ten minutes and. I'm going to make something and I'm not going to have any expectation of it. All I want to do is, is make something and you know, you work with it, you tweak and you may walk away with like seemingly nothing that you would want to like export, nothing that you'd want to like show anybody. But when you're tweaking, when you're trying anything, you're learning, right? It's, I think the one thing that hinders uh, productivity and time management for me is doing something that feels relatively the exact same multiple days in a row. Mm. Where like, as much as you can like go, like say you have like a daily routine where you go on runs every morning and you take the same exact route every day. Mm. like. It, it's it's fine to do that. Just try and think about something different while you're on that run. Try and have like a slightly different motivation for every single time you go on that run, and you will understand more and more of the complexities of like a simple task. And then I think that's that's the beautiful part about a human mind is that, as you were saying yeah. earlier, it, it's all about. Our, our perception of things and how we can um, manipulate internally how we feel and how we can interpret what is going on in the world around us to say like okay I'm not in a, a motivated state at all but either like who are other people that have like brought forth motivation from like seemingly nowhere or like think back to like, oh, what are other times where I've been like truly inspired? Like what initiated that? And it's not necessarily that you need to come to a conclusion. It's like mindfulness and meditation isn't about like answering a question. Mm. It's just about posing a question. Mm. So, and, and I, I live by, especially in the past year, I've like lived by meditation. Right. Like, <laughs> yes. Oh man, like Headspace was like free right mm -hmm. now, and I'm like, oh, this has been this has been a lifesaver because um, it really helps you like hone in your mind in different ways that you wouldn't expect. Right. Especially if you haven't been like outright introspective before. Mm -hmm. So, and like everybody's been introspective to an extent, but being able to like sit comfortably with your own mind is like a very very powerful skill so uh time management and productivity really comes from what you find uh is most comfortable sometimes it can articulate itself as like weakness in some ways where you're like oh i get distracted by stuff <laughs> and um you may find that the thing that is the most powerful productivity tool may be the thing that you're distracted by right <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> that's awesome, man. I love that. No, it's really cool. Um, yeah, you've definitely got to get you've got to get in 
you got to get comfortable with your own mind, especially whenever the world's crazy. Because if the world's crazy and in here's crazy, like it's, it's a fucking game over, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Life is that balance of like being quiet in here when it's crazy out there. And uh, sometimes uh, when, it's, yeah. when it's quiet out there, getting crazy in here to create something new, you know, like it's that constant back and forth of like yeah. <laughs> playing the playing the opposites. But yeah, that's super cool. Um, and then also you I was curious about like deadlines, like how does how do deadlines fit in this as well, dude? Like, you know, obviously you talked about, you know, using planning your time well, executing on your time well, being productive whenever you do have those moments of like anxiety or overwhelmed, but the deadline's getting closer, like, you know, how do you deal with that? Is it is it just meditation or is there something else that helps you at, like with a looming deadline? How does that affect your creativity and, and everything? Mm. Um, it's interesting because a lot of the times the deadlines are self-imposed. So it's a matter of like, for me, I have the comfort of saying like, when is my like breaking point at which I need to like push the deadline? But up until that, if I'm dealing with things that are more external, mm. it's um, a lot of just taking time to, to sit and like plot things out to the rope points like that, like making things as like relatively simple as possible uh, for me to think about is really, really nice because as, as somebody who deals with like a lot of anxiety, when you get into a high stress moment, like you I think of things in a lot more complex format, even if they're like extremely simple. So um, if I can break things down to building blocks so that even if I'm at my my most stressful state, I can mm. still think of like, there's at least this one little thing that I can do right now, even if I feel like I'm just completely like locked in place. Then yeah. uh, that really saves me in those moments. That's powerful. Yeah, I did the exact same thing, dude. Um, uh... <laughs> It sounds like we both have very kind of hyperactive minds, like, you know, thinking and analyzing. And so, which is a great thing because you can be prepared and kind of figure stuff out. But it can also be, you know, very detrimental whenever it's uh, either making you think too much about the future, therefore not doing anything, or just like thinking so much that you're overwhelmed and you get depressed or you just don't take any action at all. So uh, Mm -hmm. you've got to get a comfortable relationship with that about, you know, living in the moment. You know, being mindful of the future and trying to find the way to to live by both of those. All right, man, yeah. this has been incredible. Everything we got to touch on. What's is there anything else that's on your agenda for the rest of the year? Obviously, you have the Ursa Major drop. You know, you'll be doing a live performance in June, which is probably when this episode's going to re- be released. Is there anything else that's on your agenda for the rest of the year? For the rest of the year, um, you know, spending more conscious time with uh, like friends and family and um uh are like figuring out how to hone in in my free time more of the uh more of the live setup that'll be a fun like different project to tackle and uh spending a bit more time with my uh, my bandmates um for uh for this other band that i'm in with i'm actually in a band with riley oh really and uh two of our other friends uh our group is called hockey teeth and we make music it's kind of like kind of like hippocampus kind of Beatles inspired as well and it's uh it's a fun outfit to work with we um funny enough like right before uh covid hit like we were involved in like the university's battle of the bands and uh like we won the the battle of the bands at the university Mm -hmm. but um 
then like COVID hit and then like the the show that we were gonna play at got like wiped off the map and we're just like ah. Oh. So it was a little discouraging, but it'll be cool to get back to working with them. Mm. All right, man, fantastic, super super cool. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there's a few questions from the audience actually down here. So, uh, oh, nice. <laughs> it, yeah, I'm so glad you said hockey teeth because it made me think about the questions. I would have totally forgot about them. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and was coincidentally, the first question is from a user named Owen Olin Rollinson, and they just said hockey teeth question mark question mark. Oh uh, yeah, that's uh, that's our drummer. That's our boy Owen. He uh, he actually just gave his uh, senior presentation on his uh, project for his like uh, music mark uh, essentially like music engineering like major where his project was recording hockey teeth's uh, new EP that's gonna be coming out in like July mm -hmm. and um, yeah yeah he it was super cool to listen on that and like hear more about his uh his strengths and his process and stuff because he's super inspired by like ringo star and stuff but answer your question hockey teeth question mark question mark hockey teeth question mark uh exclamation mark um, <laughs> I, I really like hockey teeth so i'm proud I'm proud to be involved with these boys good so. stuff uh, another one is from carol zanella one besides music do you have any other passions mm, i like i mean i was really involved in like uh, language learning for a while. Really love um, doing that in my free time, and want to get back into visual art. And uh, I've been meaning to crack open another sketchbook. I, I had this thing where I would just like get a sketchbook and I would only do pen and ink drawings to just like really get the the skills back, especially because I'm like super rusty. And uh, yeah, I want to do something like that just to just to see how it goes. <laughs> Good deal. We have another question, and I'm sorry, I'm going to mispronounce the username, but it's it's five Amy Zero Mer, and they said, "What inspired Ursa Minor the most? Why did you pick the name Ursa Minor?" Mm, Ursa Minor was, uh, I guess, like the the saving grace mini project that let me uh, kind of forgive myself for not being able to put out um, Ursa Major in the original time that I wanted to, and um, I originally had this idea of it's all going to be this one like big package but like ursa major ended up being its complete different narrative so um ursa minor was uh just ended up being its own little its own little group of friends because you know everybody that i know who's a producer pretty much like got to work on it with me so it was really <laughs> nice by the way i was curious of the personal question uh do you think that choosing Ursa Minor or some major working with constellations do you think that was at all related to your interest in like being an astronaut in childhood or not at all mm. uh possibly I was really into uh, I, I stayed up like I, I have so many like little sub narratives for like all mm. this stuff going on but long story short like um I, I stayed up till three in the morning the very first time uh by watching a, a documentary about stephen hawking that my mom left on on the tv okay. and i um i was really into cosmology for a bit so like that that could very well have inspired some of that stuff as it's expressed now good stuff <laughs> and the very last question a bit of an ironic one uh from a username breakfast slut uh who i think you already know how rad <laughs> is your girlfriend on a scale of one to ten 
Uh, I have to say 11. <laughs> all right, man. Hi, that, was, that was all the questions from the audience. Dude, this was fucking incredible. I always have the guests leave a, uh, leave a message to themselves of one year in the future. So Austin Harbor Day to the you of one year in the future, which would be from today's recording, May 15th, 2022. What would you tell yourself? Mm. Man, well... Hey, baby, hope you're well. I hope you're staying healthy. Um, remember that nothing is really moving too fast. Uh, when, when things feel like just everything is kind of crashing down on you and everything's a bit overwhelming, just remember that you are exactly where you are and are meant to be at any given moment. And it's a matter of like how you work with the moment that you're in that'll really determine the uh, the outcome. And I just hope the best for you. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that. <laughs> All right, dude. The last thing we have to do is a speed round. So I'll ask a very quick question. Just give a very quick response. Are you ready? Uh, yeah. Cool. Let's get into it. Here we go. Three, two, one. Favorite color. Blue. Favorite food? Uh, mac and cheese. <laughs> Favorite day of the week? Ooh, Sunday. Favorite movie? Grand Budapest Hotel. Favorite song at the moment? Mm, Boy by Instupendo. What leisure activities do you enjoy? Mm, acrylic painting right now. What countries do you want to visit? Uh, Egypt, um, Italy someday, Sweden for sure. All right. What languages do you speak? I speak English. Uh, I speak Spanish. It's been a while. Tu hablas espanol? Je parle français, French, and it's got a little which is Arabic. Um, I want to learn. Russian. <laughs> I have Russian Babel subscription for the year and I've got to use it. <laughs> <laughs> Name one person alive or dead that you want to have a conversation with. Noam Chomsky. And last one, how do you want people to think of you? Fondly. All right, man, I really appreciate you coming through, sitting down, giving us this very in-depth look at the project that you've created. Is there any last words you have for the audience listening? Um... I just hope you get a good night's sleep tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Everyone, I, I cannot I cannot tell you enough. Like you really need to check out Austin's music. Um, whether it's only own self or Harbor Day, it's all phenomenal. Um, as I was I put it on last night as I was preparing for the episode and I was just like totally chilled out. The music is amazing. Uh, the production, Gee, the different elements, the storytelling, the lyrics, the singing, like it's just an incredible, incredible experience. And I'm so happy that we got to talk today, you know, before the drop of his album so please everyone watching please go follow his pages give him some support send him a dm so show him some love and uh we will see you on the next episode everyone take care have a great night and uh talk later all right see you dude thank you man that was incredible dude how do you feel dude, thanks.